welcome to Full of Words, the podcast where Sue and CJ explore the power of language and effective communication to drive business success. Join us for practical insights and thoughtful discussions as we explore compelling book writing and persuasive copywriting strategies while having a few laughs along the way. Hello and welcome back to the Full of Words podcast. My name is CJ from Catherine James Creative. I am a copywriter and I have with me today Sue Kennedy, the co-host as usual, who is our book coach from the Author Academy. How are you, Sue? I'm very well, CJ. How are you? I'm good. How many times do we introduce each other? Are we still <laughs> get it wrong? <laughs> get it wrong every, here and there, yeah. I don't know so why. That is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Today, we have the wonderful Jackie Broman from Legally Wise Women. She is the founder of Legally Wise Women, and she's going to talk to us about what that company does. Uh, Welcome, Jackie. How are you? Really well. Thanks, ladies. So can you tell us a little bit about your company, your business, Legally Wise Women? Sure. So Legally Wise Women was a concept that I thought of actually on retreat in 2018, and then sat around and didn't do anything about it for a couple of years and then COVID hit and we were all worried about what was happening. And in those couple of months where it was, ah, what do we do? There was a incubator program that came out through the College of Law where they wanted 20 projects Australia-wide to go through with some kind of legal innovation. So I submitted it as a concept and so the 12-month incubation period sort of built it out as, okay, so it's actually an access to justice project and it's a legal literacy education platform and no, I don't provide legal services through it. I help people to learn how to navigate the legal industry, learn their alternatives, potentially to learn how to negotiate and communicate themselves and just to have a safe place as well to land and to know that other people are sort of experiencing a similar thing and you're not going to be gouged or taken advantage of. Yeah, it's a good place to start. So that's essentially where it came from because, I mean, ultimately, you know, I'm a lawyer. I've been in that industry for nearly 20 years been running my own law firm as well for over a decade. So I've got the challenge of both A, seeing the worst inside of the industry, of trying to run a small business where I want to serve people, but I'm also bound by the industry and bound by actually having to try and make money as a business as well. And then wanting to make change, but realizing it's such a huge institution to try and change from the inside out. That's just not going to happen. So let's actually create something different and go that way. Amazing. I love the sound of that. (laughs) But it was actually the College of Law who provided this, which is interesting. So they Mm. recognised a need for a different approach, perhaps. Yeah. And they had so many interesting projects, Incubator. And in fact, I think they've gone on to run the Incubator another for another 12-month period after that with another 20 projects as well. And, you know, some of them were just large law firms applying for some kind of internal innovation, but some of them were access to justice project, processes to help self-litigate, self-litigants and those sort of things as well. Yeah, quite innovative. Mm, Excellent. So how long has Legally Wise Women been running for now? Probably about uh, 2021. I keep saying 2001. I don't know if you ladies keep doing that, but no, we're 20 years on. (laughs) (laughs) It just feels like 2020 sucked a whole lot of time in there. A decade in two years. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. So two years roughly of yes. that, and you've got that experience bringing a legal system. Mm-hmm. I think anyone who's ever attempted to understand anything remotely legal, you know, contracts or mm-hmm. anything, will understand how overwhelming it can be. Yeah. Uh, so is that, I guess, over your time, you, so you work with the words and language, as you said, within the institution, yes. the laws, you know, interpreting the laws, things like mm-hmm. that. Is that really what inspired you to help people understand those things? Going all the way back to wanting to do law in the first place, I think I wanted to do it to help people and because I loved the written word as well. And to be a lawyer, you really have to be careful with your words and understand quite carefully what you say, obviously, verbally and in writing. Because in different areas of the law, you know, words have very different meanings and power that has been given to them over hundreds of years. And people think in just in will drafting, for example, that you can just put down something fairly straightforward. But in fact, little words like my can completely change a sentence and have a huge impact that people don't understand. I suppose coming from that perspective, I guess a lot of people then have the curse of knowledge, don't they? Because I can look in a contract and sometimes, yes, I still go cross-eyed as well because lawyers don't like punctuation. I'm not intimidated by it anymore, but then bringing it back as a business owner, then you have to understand your client a bit more and you have to understand how to communicate at that level and actually think about how to attract people. And so I think it was the business mindset that started changing my thinking around, well, how do I communicate better at a different level? How do I open up access to having people understand and not be afraid of contacting a lawyer, being intimidated by a contract, not being intimidated by how we talk and how we write? and starting to change those things. And then, no, I think it was about seven years in business when the concept of Legally Wise Women started. I'm like, even doing it differently as I am is still not enough. How can I open it up even more to plain English, not being defensive about my knowledge? Because I think a lot of lawyers do try and keep knowledge secret, like it's their, that's their value. But I think that that's detrimental. Anyway, I think I answered your question, just went rambling. (laughs) That's all right. Yeah. Words, there was a lot in there. The curse of knowledge was something I picked up. What do you think about that, Sue? Have you heard that phrase before? I have actually. I have heard of it, yeah. The curse of knowledge. That sounds like a heavy burden. (laughs) Well, I mean, the problem is for professionals and educators, isn't it? Because we know something inside out, but if someone come to a concept, you don't know what level of knowledge to expect. And sometimes we assume much more of a level of understanding than is actually presented. And we forget how little a lay person would know. And so that's, I suppose, the curse of knowledge. We assume a level of understanding and no way should we ever do that. No, especially when it comes to law. I do have a question. Mentioned, uh, for example, the word my and how using that in different ways and how that can be interpreted in a different way. Are you able to share examples for the listeners? Mm. Yeah, for sure. So it's a different concept between what a, a specific gift and a general gift is. So I often give an example to people when I'm helping them with wills. A specific gift would be I give my engagement ring to my sister. Specific about what it is, I own it, that it identifies what it is. 
But if I wanted to give something to my sister that I didn't own, like a red Ferrari, for example, I don't own a red Ferrari and I never would want to own a red Ferrari, but my sister would love one. So in my will, I could say I give my sister a red Ferrari. Now, if I said my red Ferrari, I don't own one, so she wouldn't get anything. But if I say a red Ferrari, it compels the estate to buy one for her. Wow. I didn't know that. (laughs) <laughs> I better get my list out ready. <laughs> yeah, so one little word can make such an impact and it has recently because there was a recent case where someone left a piece of property to someone and it didn't say my in the will. They did own that piece of property when they made the will but once they died, they didn't own it anymore. So the question was, is the estate compelled to buy this piece of property for this person? Oh, Yeah. That's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? It is. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Like, who are they buying it of? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. It's a third party, like this poor person who's bought this. And then do we have to wait around years until they're ready to sell it? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think um, picking up on what you said before, Jackie, about not assuming, I think almost every industry has Mm. that. And, and I shouldn't say maybe industry. I find that myself, having learned copywriting mm-hmm. and the skill of presenting things in a certain way, making things clear, I assume people know it too, but they don't. Like even it causes you and sometimes to downvalue the skills that you've learned mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, well, I you have to recognize the effort that you went to to understand the concepts to explain them to somebody else. You make it simple for them they would have had to do all of the study or all of the research that you did to understand it themselves. So I think that's important to remember. I think sometimes lawyers get a bad rap, the information that they have, but Mm. when you look at how they have to learn and what they have to learn, as we were talking about before, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, it certainly is a lot of information that they use to make concepts simple for people. Very true. And in fact, you think about the you know, our society is based on the rule of law and yet the access to that information is behind a cost barrier for people, which is, I think, part of the battle because we also think we all should have a basic right to medical care. At least in this country, we have Medicare. So people think that I should be allowed to have legal information. And yes, to a degree, they should. However, we don't have a comparable like Medicare for access to justice. Legal aid is significantly underfunded and that's why we have such a problem with people not getting professional advice because you can only get legal aid if you meet this asset criteria and if you have this kind of matter, but all these other matters don't have any funding. So people think, oh, I'm entitled to a half hour free to get advice. Well, no, actually, Mm. hard. Yeah, I think it's it's the same if you think about even with Medicare, the more if you've got the money to pay for a good doctor and for your private health, you can access that better yeah. outcome. If you don't, you're relying on Medicare and the public system. So there are a lot of inequalities there. And I think so what I wanted to ask about legally wise women, obviously mm-hmm. you're targeting women specifically. Mm-hmm. Is that what well, tell tell us the reasons behind that. That's why. <laughs> uh, yeah, access to justice is a problem for a lot of categories of people, society, for sure. Certainly migrants and people who English is a second language, people of colour, 
all those things, but I've chosen women as the sector that I want to serve, mainly maybe because I'm a woman too, but also because I think there's been more research out there around women as a as a category with access to justice. And some of the research says that in a five-year period of all the women who have a legal problem in that period, 83% of those women do not get professional advice at all. That's like not even getting a half hour free. 83% are just putting their head in the sand and letting their rights disappear. And I don't know how that's acceptable in 2023. And I mean, there would be a lot of migrant women and women of color within that category as well. So of course, I want to help them too. Men have their own place they can go. Legally Wise Women is for women. Mm, I love that. How do you think they're putting their head in the sand or you know, not doing anything about it? Is it monetary or like they just don't know where to look? I think there's so many factors. Yes, monetary, but it's the fear of the unknown, isn't it? Because they automatically fear it's going to cost them a lot. But there are so many pathways that don't. They just don't know. And obviously, they've heard horror stories because doesn't everyone love to share their horror story? But it doesn't have to be that way. No one shares the good experiences. But also, I think women are people pleasers fundamentally. I think that we want to keep everyone happy. We just want it to go away. Don't worry about us keep the conflict away, keep everyone else happy. And then in the meantime, I've just done myself out of hundreds of thousands of dollars or something like that and not even known about it. So I think there's so many factors that I'm trying to address for people, all those fears. And you know what else? A real fear of judgment. I think women take things on much more personally than men. I think men are much more willing just to go, this has happened. It's actually not a personal attack on me. What are my rights? Like, what do I have to do? But women are like, oh, like I've done something wrong and they're going to hate me. And oh, I'm so ashamed that I got myself into this position. And what are they going to think if I'd go after whatever? Oh, why do we do this to ourselves? Well, I, I think because the, partially there aren't great examples of women's rights being upheld in law and often you hear terrible examples of just yes. all sorts, so overwhelmed with the, the amount of examples I'm thinking of mm. where rights have been abused through the legal system. So I think perhaps some women just think, well, there's not a place for me there. Yeah, true. And there's still so much victim blaming. There's still witch hunts that go on. You know, it goes on on social media instead of actual burnings, but it's pretty much the same sort of impact in that your life is destroyed. Proving your own innocent trial by media in so many situations and also trial through defamation law instead of some other kind of human rights jurisdiction or the person with the most money wins. Yeah. All those things. So we've got to have a different system. We've got to look at our alternatives and we've got to be supportive of each other instead of looking at another yet another female victim and telling them why they deserved it and dragging them down. Mm. We've got to do it different. Yeah, I agree. 200%. Goodness, <laughs> you're here, Jackie. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think this the world needs more of you, Jackie, and more of your work that you're doing. Definitely. So with using words and language, you're obviously getting access for women to justice or, or to information. What difference does that make in the lives of the women that you've, or if you've worked with someone so far that you can think of? 
Yeah, I think that firstly, it just gives them some certainty. It gives them a little bit more grounding and peace so that they're just like, like it's a bit of a, like I just get this image of someone's shoulders just dropping that little bit down from their ears because they're just like, okay, I actually have some stable footing now. I know where I'm at. I know where I can start. I know that there's someone in my corner that I can ask a quick question of without it charging me 400 bucks every time. Also, for them to be able to actually go, oh, I actually understand that concept now. Like, I actually can see what the process is or the couple of different pathways are ahead of me. So that is really the difference of just changing some of the language so that it's accessible and understandable. It has such a different emotional outcome for someone from the very beginning that I'd like to even say power. Like, (laughs) I think women, some women are very empowered in other areas of their life, but for some reason, as soon as there's a legal challenge, all of that just goes out the window. And it doesn't have to, if we can just, again, bring back some of that power, they're like, actually, I can do this. Mm. Yeah, I think probably the reasons you, you know, we were just talking about before is the idea that there is a biased system in place, essentially. So you sense that. It's in the media all the time. It's in other people's interactions. And you think, do I have strength to do this? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it is. It is a biased system. You know, we imported it from the UK when we imported the first set of laws And we've got a system that's based on kings sitting on a throne with men petitioning kings. And we've got the concept of the reasonable person test, which is a test on how a male thinks, not a female. We've also got these really old concepts about believing people's side of the stories when there's so much more, even in brain science and psychology now, to say that actually people's memories are fundamentally unreliable and what is the truth? And yet we still have this system that is based on people's statements from something that happened years ago that they made no contemporaneous notes about. Then you've got someone on a bench trying to tell whether someone is reliable or not. And way women communicate automatically makes us seem less reliable because we do not express ourselves in certain ways like men do. We are much more considered and conciliatory and we question ourselves. But that doesn't mean that our memory is not better than someone else. It just comes across that it's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're not assertive enough. I just wanted to say, like, I know, like, if you ring Legal Aid, all they do is go, go to the website, here's a link, and off you go. That's it. That's all you get from them. It's like, what? Yeah. You know, so th- it's really great that there's someone like you now, as I was saying, Jackie, that they can come to you and you can explain it instead of having to go and read through a whole heap of legal terminology, which most people don't know. Like, no. Unless they're like, you ladies would understand, I wouldn't, because I'm not. Yeah, I haven't studied law. So, yeah, it's uh, it's good. So I just want to say thank you again. So, Jackie, how do people find you or how do women find you? How do they connect with you? I mean, social media is a great place to start, isn't it? There's the Instagram and the Facebook page, which is a great first place, Legally Wise Women. 
But then I've also got a private Facebook group, which is free. So that's also a great place to land. Go and ask to join that. It's called Legal Support for Women by Legally Wise Women. So jump in there. I'm active in there a couple of times a week. I put explanation videos and things in there, but people can DM me through that as well. And I run a free webinar once a month as well, and all those events all through Facebook. So that's probably the easiest place to start. Just go there, ask the question. I can then send you to the right direction. Amazing. And that's all free. That's all by free of charge. Wow. Mm. It's incredible. I'm just having a thought of popping up into my brain. So you'll remember the TikTok lawyer we had then. <laughs> Have you come across him, Jackie? No, I haven't. He's a crack up. Is that Jahan Kalanta, I think is his name. We'll put the link in. He's on TikTok. He does a lot of videos. He's a criminal lawyer and he does, talks a lot about not talking to the police. <laughs> don't say a thing, don't say a thing. But I admired his enthusiasm for bringing to give out free information. Mm. What you were talking about before, how people have kept their knowledge base to themselves for a long time. I think, again, that's across a lot of industries and it's becoming more now let's share and then if we if I can help you with my expertise further then that would be wonderful i think this is great that you've got this free resource for women to look up <laughs> thank you and that's the idea isn't it it is it's sharing the knowledge and then if i can help you further you go from there but otherwise like the free general information is out there in plain english so it's a good place to start mm, wonderful all these links will be in our show notes okay Oh, I'm just going to say thank you for... I was going to say, I love, I love our podcast. It brings so many new and fresh ideas to people and we meet so many wonderful people. Thank you for what you're doing. Time flies when you're having fun too. So thank you both. <laughs> Welcome. All right. Well, that's it of our podcast for today, listeners. If you have any questions... You can email us. All the links will be in our show notes, which you can access wherever you're listening to the podcast. Just click on the dots and you can go through and find all the links and everything. And definitely get in touch with Jackie and find her on Facebook so that you can have access to some information, some power and empowerment. Thank you, Jackie, for joining us today. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Jackie. As always, always a pleasure to chat with you as well. And to our listeners, we'll see you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Full of Words. We hope you've gained valuable insights and enjoyed the journey with us. Keep honing your communication skills for success and join us next time for more exploration of the power of language in business.